Yo, Santi's here. What's going on, buddy? Hey, guys. How's it going? Yo, where are you? I'm in the metaverse. Oh, my God. What metaverse? Time's all metaverse. I'm in the metaverse where people don't believe in crypto today, but they'll be wrong. <laughs> yeah, I am hurting today. I'm not going to lie. Today was, uh, I woke up and I was like, oh, God, like, yeah, it could not feel good. But it's okay. I'll come back. I thought you didn't sleep. Did I not sleep? Well, I thought I thought you didn't sleep, so I'm surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do sleep, yeah. I do sleep once in a while. Wednesdays, Saturdays. Yeah, I try to sleep. At least, like, two sleeping schedule in a week. Word. So how do you uh, yeah. We have a usual agenda. Uh, let me just see if um, other guys are joining on our side as well. Um, and then, yeah, if, if you want to tweet this out on your side to um, get some of your followers in um, as well, but you don't have to. We usually kind of do it from our side. I'll, uh, I guess I'll hit retweet. I don't have the uh, the biggest agenda today. I haven't like seen much. I think we can be pretty fluid with this, um, yeah. especially with uh, Sapio one more. I think he has a lot of alpha on this. Sweet. Too bad, yeah. Too bad Vipers aren't here either. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, usually it's like a more of a fireside chat, like pretty casual. Um, we'll just like kind of share alphas like here and there, um, and you know see. Oh, what's like you know what's going on in the market and like what you're seeing, what we're seeing. Um, so we'll just take it from there. Um, but we have a rough agenda. We typically kind of go over. So uh, yeah, like um, look if you want to go over like a rough agenda, and then we can use that as like a launch pattern, launch platform. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a lot of the same agenda that we've been having here recently. Um. It's on my phone. One sec. Um, yeah, so it's going to be like Metaverse Gaming, uh, Ohm Forks, DeFi, uh, NFTs are coming back. Um, some like L2 uh, stuff. It's like airdrop season and meme coins, if I missed that. Um, so like meme coins, um, like the abbreviations, so like have fun staying poor, good morning. Yeah. yeah I think we're all on the same page. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of just my rough framework of like the narratives of like the past week or so. Um, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, anything you want to add on Santiago, go for it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, one of the things that I want to kind of talk about is um, Squid Dow wants just like a, you know, like in collaboration. Well, hold on, I should, guess, we, with, should uh, Santiago give an intro? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought everyone knew, but uh, Santiago, <laughs> let's just give us a quick intro. Uh, sure, yeah. Um, um, I guess. Uh investor and in, i guess i don't even know where to start my intro these days 
Uh, my title is probably professional shit poster, but uh, I am Punk9159. Uh, I've been investing in crypto for a while. Um, spent a lot of my time at the intersection of, increasingly at this intersection of DeFi and gaming, um, just because I think uh, gaming and NFTs make crypto super relatable and are onboarding millions of users and get initiated in crypto. They kind of see the value in the in the the kind of the ability to do a lot of really cool things that are not possible in Web two, and it kind of takes technology. It kind of takes something like NFTs for most people, most normal people, to to really get initiated and a reason to come over to Web three. But it doesn't stop with NFTs, and so for that reason, I spend a lot of my time in NFT land in gaming. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm an angel investor, so uh, I'm fairly active in a lot of these communities and proto- protocols. Nice. Um, well, Garland, do you have any place you want to start or should we just start off with gaming then? Or DeFi? No, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, like, we'll, we'll just kind of like uh, build it up and, us for you know like insights from the team as well as like San Diego. Um, one of the things that I kind of saw was the uh, yeah, so this thing called Squid Dow, which um, is a pretty uh, you know it's a pretty interesting um, own fork um, with a noun like a noun fork kind of embedded in it. So you get into these like NFT, um, and then in turn, like you got these like squid tokens. Um, mm-hmm. They don't do that anymore. You know, like they, they, you can only buy them on the market. And basically, it's a, another version of an own fork, but uh, with a, like an NFT um, round kind of governance um, uh, metrics. So they did a derivative version again, like a derivation. <laughs> I don't know if that's word, but yeah, they, they uh, I think they partnered up with um, Blazor now, um, and then ended up doing a um, another DAO, I guess called Snoop DAO. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like the auction's been happening uh, recently, and it's it's I, I think it's on to its like second NFT now, and I think that's why Dog has been pumping. Um, so yeah, like. I'm just kind of like, it's pretty interesting to see like these DAOs, like, you know, reading out another DAO and like, kind of like, you know, making all that kind of come together. What's like, let me fix my mic. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I don't know much about Squid DAOs and I, I mean, I know kind of the team building it and uh, from my vantage point of being in, in Pleaser DAO, and, um, but I do find it interesting that I've been spending some time looking at nouns. Uh, I thought it was pretty interesting early on, like this idea that every day you have a noun go up for sale. And a lot of the, most of these nouns have been selling for like over 70 plus ETH, which is not a trip, uh, you know, it's not chunk change. And so essentially all those funds are sitting in the treasury to then be used presumably in some, some way, shape or form. The things that I've been sort of stuck on on nouns is I find the project interesting. I think the people building it are pretty pretty smart, but I haven't seen like a lot of proposals and how are you going to use that money? So ultimately, I think that is what inspired SquidDAO to say, okay, well, at least have like combined the elements of OM, which I find pretty interesting, like this protocol-owned liquidity 
and how Ohm's done it to create a stable coin, you can then presumably apply the same kind of mechanism to, um, you know, just manage a treasury um, more generalized. And I think like that's renowned. Like I like the project. I think it's interesting, but I, I haven't kind of been able to fully wrap my head around and get conviction in buying now because I don't just don't know where these funds are going to go. And so like, it's a yeah. governance and like, I don't know. There's a huge opportunity cost in crypto of just having these funds sitting idly. Like, I guess like a lot, it applies to also other treasuries that are just like there unoptimized. I'm like sinking in ETH into a contract just to see where they take it is not very compelling for me at the moment to just, I'd rather kind of just wait and see how this thing goes. And I guess Squid Dow is a more, is what I love about generally crypto which is people take elements of one project and one protocol and then apply them to other and then do a mashup and breed a protocol that could potentially be better at administering um the treasury in an ohm style mechanism That's yeah, he- I know. yeah like have you seen because like i've been in like squid oh, delta None of this shit's financial advice, so you know, I don't have financial interest in Squid yes. I don't have financial interest in own. Like, I'm just going to speak as objectively here. I'm not going to shell any bags, and if you guys want me to do that, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's like it's totally up to you. Like, if you want to shell bags, like, you know, like, it, it usually, you know, some guests like have their like kind of conviction place. No, I guess so. So it's totally up to you. Um, yeah, yeah, we, yeah just full disclaimer. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, none of this should be taken as financial. And yeah, like everyone kind of knows in this chat, um, in this like audience, like we've been doing running this for a while. So you know, they, like they're they're free to make their own decisions. We we don't really we kind of share our perspective and opinions, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's like their fingers that are that's kind of pass either by or something on their beds. Um, so, uh, yeah, so have you seen any, cause like I have seen a lot of like DAOs, um, and I know that, um, for DAOs, like they, they hold a lot of treasury, um, but I haven't really seen like those treasuries get used up like very efficiently. Maybe like, I, I don't know, like maybe Convex is an example of like, maybe like a very focused like a play on like a curve um but other than that i haven't seen like these guys like use the treasury that well maybe maybe ohm as well yeah ohm, i think I've, I've seen some like strategies coming in from ohm and like it's it's being very developed but even in squid DAO, i know they're um having a lot of uh like discussions but you know like it's very hard to Push some of these strategies out because it's a DAO, um, and at the end of the day, it's like someone really needs to drive that, you know, like drive that uh, uh, direction. So I don't know, like if you guys seen any DAOs that are like super effective, or like you know, like maybe like there's a model or a process that really works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. I just haven't really seen it other than maybe Ohm, and I know Ohm is like very well done because like. I think it's just like the team behind it is like very, very like yeah, super, yeah, very focused. Yeah, yeah. that's a good question because a lot of these treasuries are are quite sizable in the billions of dollars, um, and so I guess like the range of options has been fairly limited, and increasingly less now. But 
like for instance like what can you do if you have like all these ave tokens or synthetics tokens or whatever well you could yield farm but like how are you going to do that well you can borrow against that and then farm with stables there's obviously liquidation risk which you know you can mitigate to some extent uh but you're taking another protocol risk you could also like swap some of those tokens and then just lp which is not optimal because then you're selling a big chunk of your tokens and you can't really do that in size and then and then these money markets obviously you're taking like a pool of risk but now, obviously, like something like Rari, you can create a, a single side, like a single sided pool, and then like minimize your exposure. And I think that's pretty interesting um, from a treasury management perspective. Um, you can use options, but that's been fairly limited in terms of the capacity. Like you can you can sell puts or whatever. Um, and uh, but yeah, no, I, I I don't. I think it's one of those areas in. DeFi that is uh, very suboptimized. Uh, just DAOs in general, like it's exciting, but a lot of it's chaotic and not a lot. I mean, it's still fairly centralized, which, you know, you could argue both ways, whether that's good or bad. I tend to think that, <clears throat> you know, DAOs need some top-down hierarchy to operate and so otherwise, like none of none of this stuff gets done. Um, exactly. DAO, That's what I've been you seeing need as better, well. You need better DAO tooling solutions. Uh, and so I'm encouraged as a category by that, like tools like Coordinate uh, that just make it, try to make it easier to operate in these DAOs and empower people in the community and, and limit the type of roles and functions that, com- that you know people in the community can, can take. Um but yeah, I know to answer your question, I, I haven't seen other than Ohm, maybe Squid Dow, and um, and Faye potentially is one that obviously it does PCV protocol control value, and they're pretty you know active in managing their treasury. Mm, got it, got it. Yeah, uh, well, definitely have to look into Faye. I don't think you've done any in-depth like research into it. Um, Squid Dow, obviously, Ohm, like we're, we're pretty familiar. We we had a lot of like guests that are you know, like we uh, plug into the whole own space. So yeah, but yeah, we'll definitely do a decision today. Um, in terms of like, I guess like you know, what you find interesting. I think we talked about a lot of things so far. Like I mean, like we get on every call and like we try to you know talk about things that are interesting. Um, obviously, there is like the whole metaverse phase, which I think is you know subsiding at the moment um and you know with the market as it is um it's like you know nothing's been really you know happening too much in the market and maybe other than this like the whole um like dog and point plays uh, yeah like we we've been we've been kind of looking at looking to see like what the next month or three months or six months kind of looks like um and try to find topics or interesting areas that we can start digging into. Um, obviously, I think we we like um, we put a post about like the whole curve war um, uh, with Convex and you know, uh, some of the other protocols trying to like you know maximize their land grab in terms of like you know, curve rewards. So you know I think that's really interesting trend. That's like a you know like that could get a lot of like bigger institutions or DAOs or treasuries that get involved. 
Um, but other than that, yeah, like we've been, you know, I guess we've been kind of struggling to see like what what uh, what's kind of like interesting that might be kind of unfolding in the next month, three three months or six months. So I'm just wondering, like, if you've seen anything that's like, you know, um, interesting on your end. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think um, well, it's funny because, like, first of all, it's anyone's best guess to time these markets. Like, I haven't met anyone that systematically, consistently predicts these markets. Yeah, um, I am. I am encouraged by NFTs. I continue to be very encouraged by NFTs. I don't think that's going away anytime soon. Um, I mean, I guess like the the extent by which we've seen this parabolic rise in volume. In, platforms like OpenSea is, is pretty impressive. Um, but thematically, like I think if people just finally realizing what you can do in Web3 and there's workable, usable apps, it wasn't the case in 2017. So, I mean, I'm not here to like tell you it's going to be a super cycle. I mean, I sort of think that that at the end of the day, adoption is what drives these the usage of this stuff. And then, and then like the, the people talk about crypto markets and they tend to think it's just one market. And that kind of used to be the case back in the day. I mean, still a lot a lot of it is correlated to Bitcoin and Ethereum, but increasingly less so, I think. And over time, I think like the NFT market will be the NFT market and it's totally unrelated to potentially DeFi and gaming. Um, and I think that's that's just by virtue of like, there, it's a totally different set of crowd that is coming to NFTs that might never ever think about Bitcoin. Maybe thinks about some sometimes Ethereum. They might not even know that they need to consume uh, and to, 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 you know, interact and, and collect NFTs. But what I'm trying to say is, um, like, I have felt uh, in DeFi that there hasn't been a lot of innovation. I felt it, like, over the last, like, six months. I am seeing more and more concepts that have been tried before that are potentially being explored. Like, some of the bigger areas thematically that I'm focused on are, like, perps, options, on-chain. Yeah. Um, I think that category hasn't, no one's cracked that nut yet. And, and I think now with L2s, you know, you could potentially see a path towards some of these things working more efficiently and like economically makes more sense just because it's just easier to consume. Like, like the, they're, they're higher, they, they require more computational resources. And so in an L2 environment or an environment like Solana, then potentially you, these things could work. Um, so that's one category. The other one's insurance. I mean, I think I'm consistently I'm underwhelmed by a lot of these protocols that don't place emphasis on insuring users. No one, I mean, by and large, most most of the users in DeFi underestimate the level of risk that they take in these protocols. And I understand the perspective that, you know, you're yield farming and it's compelling and the rates kind of, they're high because, you know, you're, a lot of it is you're taking on a ton of risk, whether it's a permanent loss risk or just protocol risk. And so, or pool two risk. And so I just think, but still, you know, even sophisticated users don't, don't, there, there are known unknowns and there's a lot of unknown unknowns. And so I think like most people don't under, most people underestimate risk. And so I've been focused on just pushing protocols to just issue insurance wrappers by default. And it's just kind of like, honestly just pissed me off that this hasn't been the case because it's incumbent upon so i'm very focused on pushing insurance solutions and 
there are scalability issues like capacity issues because uh, there's a lot of correlation risk in crypto. And so building an on-chain insurance protocol is difficult. So obviously you have Nexus and you have Risk Carver and you have a few other solutions, but I think we'll get there. And, um, and then, um, yeah, I'm just, uh, I think, I think uh, I was just in Solana's conference. Um, I was also in, Le- in ETH Lisbon. Uh, I'm very encouraged by what I'm seeing in, in Solana. Um, just because it is like new types of developers, not, not so many mm. devs. Um, it's a lot of, a lot of these guys just like come from Wall Street. And I mean, there obviously helps to have Sam's weight behind Solana. I don't think Solana would be where it is today if it hadn't had that type right. of weight behind it. But still, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, okay, it's not a perfect ecosystem. It's not a perfect blockchain. Like, I understand there are concerns around running validator and, um, but you know, like some of the applications around social and gaming don't require a level of security that you require if you're moving billions of dollars and you're going to use Bitcoin for that. And then, and then Ethereum. Um, but still, I mean, I think it, there's a lot of things that have been tried in 2017, kind of vintage era projects that didn't work out, but could potentially work out more easily. And you see a path towards that in Solana. So I'm kind of actively looking at stuff there. And so anyway, that's an ammo, but I'll pause there. No, I think this is great. Um, for insurance, we always felt that it's like, you know, um, I, I think I said it jokingly, like insurance in DeFi is like building a fire insurance in hell, where it's like just it, 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 the occurrence and the magnitude of it is just so large and so frequent. It's like you just can't make sense out of the premiums um i'm wondering if there's like you know different approaches that you've seen or you know like i I know there are insurance protocols but i think it's more of like the the coverage or the 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 market fit is so like uh, narrow that it's like hard for protocols or hard for these guys to like make sense out of like paying that premium or you know, getting the insurance there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know if you've seen, like, different approach that solves that. Um, usually, like, the premiums, like, that these insurance protocol charges are super, super large. And also... Wait, hold even, on. Wait a minute. When you say large, like, you got to put it in perspective, right? Because if you're earning 100% APY and you're getting charged 3%, is that high? Um, I, I think I've seen, like, the fixed fee model where it's like you have to pay a couple million or, you know, depending on how much covers you want, like a couple, uh, couple ten, like seven figures, eight figures in the, hmm. from the get-go. And then you, like, you know, like based on like the API, like you have like a little bit of like API that's got flowing into well, the insurance protocols. So in which protocol was that because i'm looking at nexus and i'm and i'm just seeing cover be materially underpriced i think it was one of the if you could newer ones yeah yeah i mean maybe that's what it is because i always felt the nexus is probably the most underpriced protocol like the the cover itself is probably the most inefficiently priced thing that you could ever find uh if you could like have a secondary market of cover you probably have more fluid and better price discovery on some on risk itself and then create a cds market because, like, right now, the risk is being priced by an internal assessment team. But, again, that's super inefficient, which is why I was encouraged when Y-Insure came out. You NFT the insurance contract that you buy. And you NFT the cover itself. And then 
you go out there and you sell it on OpenSea, and people can just buy that card. Uh, and so like, it's all, all of a sudden, marketplace. You, get a, you, get, you get an oracle for the perceived level of risk of these protocols. Like, I don't understand why no one's done this. Like, like uh, it, it would create much, much more... It, you could see a possibility for, for creating all these different derivatives, like, like just a credit default swap on these protocols. You could also then loop back and reprice future cover issuances. Like if there's really sought out demand for cream uh, before it got hacked and like in the, in, in the last like three days, you just saw a spike of demand in the secondary market for these NFTs that represented cover on your USDC on cream, like then all of a sudden like that alert, one alerts you about what the hell someone knows that you don't. Two, it also be like prices cover better and then just mitigates any losses in the mutual. And so like, I don't know, some of these things just need to be built, but. Uh, yeah, I'm that's pretty cool. Idea. Yeah, like basically you're creating a marketplace for this, right? Like where the insurance premiums and, you know, like the, that it's, it's not being covered by the centralized party, but it's like, Exactly, being covered by the retail that's like you know yeah, and, and then willing to have, like, profit from that. Like capacity has been the issue. Okay, fine. Like you, someone can take the other side of the bed. That's fine. It could be an auditor. It could be Sam, could, who who might have a ton of expertise on evaluating the, the the code base of these protocols. It could be whoever, right? Um, and you can earn yield on that. And so. Yeah, I'm just gonna like continue to pound that table because I think someone just needs to do this. Um, in a very efficient way. And it, it's going to take time to scale, but uh, because everything is super, the risk of, you can isolate risk of like what defines a, uh, um, an insur- like insurable event. Like what, how do you define a hack is I guess like contentious. Um, risk carvers taking a different approach because it, it, they're just saying, look, there's certain things that if, if certain on-chain activity happens, and clearly define those parameters, then automatically you'll be paid out the claim. And so like that's very encouraging. It might it might be limited in the scope of the things that you can, how you define that, like the expressibility of that, versus Nexus is like more subjective, right? You're just relying on you have to submit a claim and have like the, the NXM holders vote, whether they pay you out or not. Like you might argue, okay, well most NXM holders have vested interest in like the long term success of the protocol. But if there's like a cataclysmic event, like what's to stop Nexus holders from voting against that and just like not paying you out? Well, it is a risk. Whereas risk card, which is I like, at least their conceptually, their approach is, is just minimizes human ambiguity, which, you know, you always kind of feel that with insurance companies, when you're dealing with them, they always find a way not to pay you. Um, and so the whole idea here is to minimizing human judgment out, out of the equation. Um, but it is capacity constraint. And so um, I think you just create secondary markets for people to take the other side of the bet and then or compensate them for taking on that, that extra level of risk by, uh, you know, giving them tokens of your native platform or something else. Right. No, I, I think it's a pretty novel idea. The only thing that I would be worried about is because like this industry, it's like there's so many people that are at all It's like especially... In terms of the, um, yeah, like with the NFTs coming in and like DeFi and like all these new protocols and DAOs, like a lot of people are not on. So if the market gets too big, there there could be like a manipulation. Like, for example, like, you know, just basically like you buy, you know, like, or you short sell like all these 
depending on what the asset is, whether it's an NFT or NFT or more token. And, you know, it's just kind of like you have an insider that, you know, no one really knows how this has happened either, right? So, like, you know, sometimes private keys get, you know, compromised. Sometimes, like, there's a bug in the system. But, you know, like, there's, like, usually there's like, always an insider risk where if that person could significantly affect the insurance market for that protocol or for that play um, and really, really benefit from, you know, manipulating that market by, you know, either hacking it beforehand or, you know, um, building it up and then, you know, like maybe short selling it beforehand or, you know, hacking it afterwards and, you know, like buying it up on, from the floor. Like, so I think that's one of the risks that I see um, in terms of, like, you know, marketplace. Yeah, kind but of you insurance. can avert. Yeah. You always assume that's going to be the case. But, like, yeah, but I don't see that as, like, a bottleneck, to be honest. Like, like you can only be so anonymous. Like, ultimately, like, anonymity is, <laughs> I guess, it's very difficult to actually pull it off. Um, and, like, even then, we just, e- even then, like, you always assume it's going to be a very adversarial environment where people exploit these, these vulnerabilities, whether you want to call it a hack or just a arbitrage, you know, is a fine line, I guess. But you always need to sort of build a system assuming that if it can be exploited via governance or Oracle manipulation, it will be exploited. You can never rely on, you always sort of need to build in these fail-safe mechanisms that like from a protocol, like from a mechanism design perspective, you always assume that, shit's going to hit the fan and you need to just constantly build these scenarios where if an oracle can be manipulated it will be manipulated just build mechanisms to mitigate that or or you know like i was for instance one of the things that i've learned over time is like look governance is great fine it should be slow on on adding it should be really fast on 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 like protecting which was like not the case. Like when Queen got hacked, like like we all kind of learned that the exploit was also applicable to other protocols, like Ave. And then like it was up for governance to vote off. Like Exusion, like guys, like uh, it's a ticking bomb, and we're relying on people to go and vote. On the right. Like right, this right. Is just. I mean, I just think more practical approach. If there's any protocol designers here or founders, like you always just kind of like just need to put. Pro- like ultimately, if we really want to scale and work, like whatever your protocol is, whether it's gaming, NFT, whatever, you just always need to assume that. I'm not suggesting you cut corners, but just build stuff, assuming things can go very wrong, and build mechanisms to protect the user. You always need to protect the user because this is the thing that continues to hold back this industry where it's not fun when people lose money. And so this is why people always say, yeah, the yield's great, but I don't want to lose my money. I'd rather keep my money in the banks. And, and so. Uh, I think we just need to build more friendly systems, protocols, uh-huh. front ends, but also just built-in mechanisms that uh, protect the user. Um, and so these things are only going to continue to get worse, right? I mean, ultimately, like, as there's, there's more value at stake, you know, the honeypot grows, and so there's there's more. And then through composability, all these protocols are interacting which is great, but it's a double-edged sword, right? I mean, I think it's... It yeah, becomes, the risk increases, yeah. Yeah, the risk compounds, I would say, in a non-linear manner, and so you just need to, you know, um, build that in somehow. The ability to mitigate disaster. 
quickly. Yeah, I, I agree. That's a really good. The, the, and the other thing, I guess, thematically, I'm really excited to see, like, uh, NFT. So the reason why I became interested in NFTs, is I think there's a lot of opportunity to bring in, like, app functionality in NFTs, like renting NFTs. I think it's going to be big, especially for games. So, like, if you're going to do a raid, you want to borrow a particular sword or shield or whatever yeah. from another person. You also can do rentals on, you know, high value NFTs, or which I don't think might be a use case. I think it's more re- related to gaming. But you can also do like, um, I guess you can rent your land into Central Land. But you could also borrow against your NFTs. Like the art loan market's pretty massive, and so, um, you know, again, how do you price the NFT? How do you appraise it? Well, that's a whole set of like protocols that are trying to design like how you appraise a particular NFT, whether it's a high value punk or a floor punk or, you know, finanza or whatever. It's a pretty like just conceptually, intellectually like interesting exercise to say, how are you going to price this thing? Do you need to price it in the first place? Um, and then, and then I think like that logic is how you build that is pretty interesting. There's a couple of teams working on like different, different approaches to this, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to set the stage for some pretty big, market opportunities to like lend and borrow nfts i think we're gonna um, see like um not to cut you off but i think we're gonna see like play to earn nfts like we're gonna see mm-hmm. borrowing and lending there first because i think it's easier to um it, it's far easier to figure out how much the person should be paying like it, it, it could just be a split rate like 50 50 uh like axie is a great example mm-hmm. Um, yeah. like 50 50 cut between manager and or whoever owns the nft and whoever's borrowing um so i think and if like play to earn borrowing and lending um is probably going to do like probably going to be one of the first uh nft yeah, yeah. Uh, lending protocols I, I think i mean this is like uber right and airbnb all of a sudden like you enable people to like make money off of idle assets some productive assets yeah uh, and then when you yeah go ahead no, I was going to say, yeah, I think it's going to create massive economies. Like, people just, like, just borrow your NFT and, like, level it up, and then you share some some rep share on it. Yeah, and we're seeing that right now with uh, Crabata. Uh, it's kind of a new game that's came out. It's a lot like Axie, where you need to have, uh, like, a crab to start off with, and then you earn tokens through playing and then you use those tokens to breed, and it's essentially just the Ponzi-nomics of Axie into a new game. Um, we're, we're seeing, and now that they have this uh, tavern where you can easily uh, lend out your, your crabs and people can easily borrow them. Um, uh, what is it just called? just all in the marketplace. Uh, Crabata, uh, Crab, A-D-A. Um, yeah, it's, it's a new game that kind of just came out. I've seen a lot of people shielding it. Um, I do run a guild, so I've, I'm kind of interested in, it's kind of picked up, uh, quite a bit and, um, it, it has quite a few people talking about it and that's kind of one of the first, like, there's so many crypto games out there and that's one of the, so many of them do not get, uh any hype at all so just that it's gotten this far i think is is enough to turn heads um for those that don't know it's built on avalanche um yeah and it kind of just came out this weekend and yeah there's there's only so many crabs on the market though Uh, like i think there's only like 
I, I have it open right now, but um, yeah, there's only like 7,000 crabs, I think, in total or something. So pretty limited market right now, but um, yeah, it has pretty good potential, I think. But I, I, what I was trying to highlight, though, was the borrowing and lending in their tavern, um, which is uh, something new that we've seen. Yeah, just check it out right now. Yeah, I, I'm kind of bullish on this borrowing and lending. It's just there's not really enough games yet to um, to have it work out on like another chain. I think it's all going to. I think the first instances of it are going to be on Ronin, where we're going to see like a uh, potentially like a like a manner uh, manager hub is kind of what I would coin it as. So, like, if you own a guild or whatever, or you're a manager of a guild, um, you can easily go on and pay out your scholars uh, accordingly. Um, you know, you like you link up their uh, wallet to it. And then you could pay out, you know, set your parameters and pay out. I think that's going to be one of the, um, one of the like game, what I would call GameFi uh, protocols that we're going to see be built out in gaming here in like the next six months. Uh, I just think ultimately for this, like guilds to scale, I think it's going to be pretty imperative. So, um, yeah, to build on your lending borrowing point, Santiago. Right. For yeah, I guess like that's the um, like the uh, yeah like what I've been focusing on in terms of like the NFT side as well. Like games just inherently are kind of like massive option, and you know like if you are able to reduce the entry barrier by allowing people to like borrow these like highly valued assets. Um, to like kind of play and earn themselves, then yeah, like I feel like that creates a lot, a lot more adoption opportunities. Um, yeah, is there yeah like other than I guess like kind of like going into the whole NFT side, is there anything that's like on that you know um, NFT side or you know anything that's happening with the lending side? Like I think we've we've seen like like you know. Zillow's for you know like NFTs kind of popping up here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just wondering if there's like any more interesting like yeah, I guess like uh, the innovations that's that's happening on the NFT side. Yeah, uh, I I also um, wanted to kind of ask you like you know like the punks and like all these different NFTs that popped up. You know that's not games like BAYC like. Like, how do you, like, what kind of value do you see in those? Other than just being, you know, being a profile photo. Which type of NFT projects, right? Like, just punks, you know, BAYC, like, just NFTs don't really have, you know, like, a gaming mechanism attached to it. It's more of, like, it's more of, like, a artwork. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering if it's just, like, not work themselves that are being valued or like communities doing something with the artwork just because like i haven't really been too involved in that community so far 
Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not on like an archonist or any stretch of the imagination. And so, I mean, I, I just approach my NFT collecting just things that I like uh, visually um, and communities behind them, uh, whether it's the artist and what she represents, um, as well as just, um, you know, just maybe the roadmap could be pretty interesting. But yeah, like punks for me, is just, they're pretty emblematic of this space. I like hoodie punks because I think hoodies are emblematic of hacker culture. Uh, and so I, that's how I approach collecting punks. Um, and, and, you know, I, but, I, but I couldn't tell you like what they're reasonably worth. I mean, I, at the end of the day, like everything is a social construct. So like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, this is why I think appraising these NFTs is just sort of like a wisdom of the crowds or a consensus, like everything else. But, uh, but yeah, like I think board apes is pretty interesting because it just kind of inverted the model. Like most of the time you build stuff and then you, you try to build a community around that. Whereas board apes is, I think they, I was talking to them and I think they realized, well, we have something special here. We just built a massive community. And I think they've been pretty ambitious in the roadmap of just layering on a bunch of other services and events and collaborations. And I think it just poses an interesting question. Like what is the best way to go about building a protocol? you just build a community first and then build project pro- products around that? Or do you build a product assuming that people are going to come? Or you can do it in parallel. But I think it's been pretty interesting just to turn the model on its head. And Board Apes has a really strong community, which I don't think is going away. And they, they, they continue to like build services and, and do events and keep the community engaged. And a lot of those guys, is my understanding is like over 50%. It's new people that never touched crypto before. And so... Mm-hmm. Like, what's to stop them from then launching a DeFi protocol or integrating with DeFi? Like nothing really uh, building a wallet, like nothing, like literally nothing. They, they, they could, they could take this wherever they want and they have one of the strongest communities and they pretty much created that very quickly. So like, I think that's the value in some of these plays. Um, I think protocols are realizing that NFTs are just really good retention engagement mechanisms. Um, you want to, you want to just, essentially just build a you know blockchains are great because they provide a timestamp an immutable time timestamp of events happening and what better way of like showcasing that if you're going to a concert if you're going to you're supporting x or y if you're writing an essay then everything there is value in just finally having digital footprint attached to this stuff that is immutable and i think that opens up a whole range of possibilities for people to to then and capture this value whereas before you would have said, hey, I was an early adopter of X or Y. Well, it was really no easy way to prove that. Now you can't. Very clearly, you crystallize that through an NFT. And so that, that's ultimately, I think, what's empowering here. And, and I think the use cases that we've seen today are, you know, people just like to be part of communities. We're social animals, and that's great. You know, you know we all kind of saw the videos of NFT NYC, uh, whether you like them or not. But it was pretty interesting to see. And then, and then, you know, you, you, you then abstract that and say, okay, what else is possible? Well, obviously royalties. And, and if you support your artist, uh, you know, if you're an early supporter of artists X or Y, if you, you know, listen to this music, if you are reading a particular author, like then all of a sudden, like just things become more interesting. Um, and so again, it just deepens the social relationships and social graph that you have. A very interesting way and so that, that's what i see ultimately in nft uh, i don't think they're fat i mean most people just say they're money grab and whatever but i think mostly from people that don't know how the space moves and the the, the people behind it interesting so it's like it, it puts a time stamp into like early adopters 
So it's yeah, like, exactly. like you, you could improve, like, okay, how, how can you prove to the world that you were an early Avicii follower and you were seeing him when he was like no one? You can't. I mean, right. Not in a very, not in a very indisputable way. You say, oh, look, here are my tickets. And yeah, but not really. That's the value of a lot of these things. Like, let's not forget. I mean, that's what a blockchain is. A blockchain serves a really good purpose of like cons- consensus, coming to a particular consensus about about place and time, or an event like a state transition. That's and, a and interesting. And an NFT expresses whatever you want, whether it's an insurance contract, whether it's you were at this place at this time with these other people, and that's powerful. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that's I pretty interesting. I don't go like just more philosophically with that. Like, no, I is, love that. Yeah, saying, like, this cycle is just telling people like this is a generalized piece of technology that has existed for 10 years, and then Ethereum come around and said, Okay, we can do stuff that Bitcoin does, but we can be more expressive. And then NFTs come around and say, Whatever you're doing in Ethereum expanded in multiple dimensions across so many other things that it's not a one particular like token. right and i mean look my imagination doesn't stretch that far but i think we're going to see super interesting use cases on nfts that no one's thinking about right now and so i think that for that reason i think this market evolves much faster and across and attracts many more different people that want to come to this space not because you know it's been difficult to just get them to just think about bitcoin and just ethereum you know it's DeFi is like super fascinating, but unless you're a finance geek, like no one wants to think about money, no one wants to use DeFi apps. It's just power mm-hmm. users and geeks that are like, holy shit, I can do X and Y. And you know, composability is great, but really, is it like most people just will look at that and say, like, get a life, you know, like th- this is not something I want to do <laughs> on a daily basis. But NFTs are great, and then you're like, okay, oh, holy shit, I can do that. So many other things, and you know. It was email for the internet, and I think it's NFTs for Web3. Interesting thing. That's a really interesting comparison. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I, well, I, I guess do it was, really. I, I guess it was on the internet. We'll see if porn exists in the metaverse. I'm sure it will. I haven't seen projects around that, but we're not. I'm sure some I've seen it. porn metaverse product. <laughs> yeah, we, we've seen it. We've seen it. Yeah, yeah we so have it. Spank chain, I guess, was like. A, a state channel, but it wasn't very. No, there was many, many more. There, there, there was like actually like rare porn, and I think there was like a couple of porn NFT kind of like projects that came on board. They raised, you know, like a decent amount, like 10, 20 million as well. You know, like these porn NFT projects that we've seen. So, yeah, yeah. So, like, we've been kind of seeing those, like, kind of like pass our desk on in the deal pipeline, and we've been kind of ignoring it. <laughs> Up to this point, just because it's like it seemed a little bit out there, but I guess yeah, we'll, we'll see how it evolves and when it evolves to a point where we feel like there's a connection. Yeah, we'll probably start putting some check into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool guys. Well, I gotta hop in it in a few minutes. I don't know if there's anything yeah. I want to talk about. Um, yeah, I mean, like, we're probably going to end in pretty soon here as well. Um, Luke, is there anything that we're kind of missing or that the ones that we talked about? Uh, nothing that I could think of off the top of my head. Um, 
gaming metaverse, uh, ohm forks, DeFi, NFTs. There's like some layer two, uh, not really layer oh, two yeah. stuff. Um, also, uh, yeah, um, yeah Sergio, uh, you mentioned the Solana ecosystem is like a little bit different than like the new ecosystem and like the developers and you know, like guys that are building there are a little bit of a different crowd, right? Like, what are you kind of like seeing in the Solana ecosystem that's different than ETH? Um, I just think for a long time people discounted this ecosystem because you're used to seeing some of the more public vocal figures say this this ecosystem shit. Uh, it's a it's a VC coin, and look at all the they're cutting all these corners and look it's not perfect ethereum's not perfect bitcoin's not perfect none of these systems are and so i've always wondered like why people like take that approach as opposed to just focusing on things you can improve upon wherever they're spending their attention and energy the issue is so so i think that was a big surprise for people that said okay well wait a minute like there's a lot of really smart credible people building here um and it has skewed, except in a part of a few hackathons. Like I have noticed, like a lot of like these traditional Wall Street guys, like you know, you know, Solana has big offices in Chicago, and Chicago is a trading hub, like high frequency trading hub, and so commodities and all this stuff. So a lot of people come from that background, um, and, and so it's been interesting to see. And, and and then a few here and there, you know, like folks like Jet Protocol is like it was ex maker devs. And so they said, look, we're just going to build in Solana because it's, it's easier, I guess, easier from like a usability standpoint. I mean, I guess it, the tooling hasn't been as easy as Ethereum, but they took that leap because they saw an opportunity to be first. They saw an opportunity to build in an ecosystem. that's probably just, if you're interacting with Solana, it's just fast. Right. And I get that, you know, it's, and people don't like that because it's like, it's not, it's not secure and it's no one can run a validator here. And, and, but at the end of the day, like, you know, how many people are actually running a validator in Ethereum? Like, yeah, I, I understand you can do it with a Raspberry Pi. It's super easy. But how many people actually run these validators, right? It's very concentrated. So so are Bitcoin miners and so like hash rate and so hash power. So like, I don't know, like I've always been amused by how people just protect their bags. I understand this, but like, but are not open to just talking about these systems. What has been impressive, candidly, from my perspective, seeing the, the, the core team of Solana take it on the chin day in and day out, and then they, they just take the time to explain to people and and, and are open to criticisms. Uh, and look, Bitcoiners are perhaps the most rigid, which they don't they don't want to talk about certain things that we need to talk about in Bitcoin, like, i.e., what happens when the emission rate goes to zero and, like, 90-plus percent of fees today are block rewards and not transactions. <laughs> Like, right. let's just talk about that, but no one wants to talk about that. Uh, and in Ethereum, like, I understand, like, there's some things. I mean, I think what's made Ethereum great and why I like it and why I spend most of my time is because, you know, people are willing to, like, try different things. But there is a there is a camp within the Ethereum community that's increasingly ossifying and rigid. And I, I just think that doesn't bode well in open source systems where anyone can copy, anyone can iterate faster than you. So it's just better to keep an open mind as opposed to just why would you shut yourself out to, to, to be open about uh, other things? Um, I'm not saying we shouldn't criticize and be very openly like critical of things. Uh, I think that should never go away. 
but you should also be critical about the certain assumptions that you're making and you're rigidating your mental frameworks because that never that never goes far i think i think that, you know like I, i've seen the e like uh, kind of community you know shitting on the solana protocol and you know like just because it, it is like a lot of the points that you mentioned are very different for me i'm just kind of wondering because I know Solana right now, like you mentioned, like with tooling and everything is significantly harder to build on um, just because, you know, like you just need a completely different kind of expertise. So and what I've been seeing for Solana is more of like, like what you mentioned, like more of like the traditional kind of like finance guys coming in, which doesn't really help the ecosystem that much other than just pumping the token. Um, it does help the price, but it doesn't really help the ecosystem, you know, grow in, in diversity, right? And Judd Protocol is, like, very notable because it is the, you know, it is the guys who, like, are considered, I guess, like, more of an OG in the ecosystem or, like, ETH ecosystem that have built paper. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like, that came yeah. in. But I do... I don't see a lot of those kind of coming in. Um, and a lot of the protocols that we've seen are still in the very, very nascent stage, and, and they're it, it lacks like the ecosystem diversity for what it is right now and like where it is, right. like comparison to like its market cap, right? So I'm just kind of wondering, like you know, we we do hold like a little bit of Solana in our bag, and you know, like Solana is obviously fast and it's got price potential. Um, still, but I just don't know if it has the ecosystem potential as ETH does. Like we haven't seen that kind of coming in, so that's why I was like, oh, like maybe maybe you have like deeper insight into okay, like maybe Solana. Like I've seen Solana ecosystem doing this and this and this, um, but maybe like maybe it's too early to tell right now. So that's what I want to kind of validate on our side. I mean, diversity is an issue across blockchains, but yeah, like generally speaking, it is a bit harder to build in Solana because it requires Rust expertise. And uh, but the developer tooling and resources, like over the last like over the last year and a half since Solana launched, every hackathon that I'm part of, you have more teams submit applications. And now I was asked the same question: How easy is it to build? And how has your experience changed over time? They say it's getting much faster, much easier to build in Solana. Which I think, like, that's, that's the, in my mind, that's one of, like, the things that I focus on the most is, like, how is it developer tooling and resources? And I think every team, incremental team that comes to the space makes it easier for the next team to build. Um, I think I'm mostly worried about is, like, a lot of this stuff is closed source, right? And so auditing in Solana is difficult. Like, very few projects are open source. So I don't like that. <clears throat> I hope to see a path towards that. And I've been focusing on like who's doing audits, who will be doing audits in Solana-based protocols. So I'm keeping an eye for that. Um, But yeah, I guess the last one I make, one of the protocols I'm really excited about, uh, full disclosure, I'm an investor, it's called Chaos Labs. And these guys are like doing simulations of event-driven behaviors. And so like you could, you're you're testing your smart contract in a simulated environment to, to just battle test it before you launch it. And I think that's super cool to let devs just use their platform, use their solution to like 
battle test their stuff before it goes live. Because clearly audits don't cut it, right? So having a tool that is much more scalable, much more easy for people to just use out of the box and simulate different parameters of how their code will behave, it's pretty awesome to battle test the code and build a little bit more Lindy before you launch. Because by the way, it's super hard to do audits. I mean, if you try to get trail bits, good luck. You're going to wait seven months. And that's just not, not going to cut it at the yeah. pace that things need to move. And so Chaos Labs is one of those things where I saw and I was like, built by like an ex-Israeli like intelligence guy, like super sharp. I'm like, all right, let's go. Like, this is what you need for, for code to be really battle tested. So it's like a, they did build like a virtual prod environment where you can test your code before you launch. And yep. it's, it's like available across all chains. Ethereum for now, I think, but okay, okay, yeah, yeah, interesting. And it's called Chaos Lab, EVM right? compatible chains, yeah, but not just Ethereum, but yeah, right, 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 Chaos okay. Lab, yeah, uh, Chaos Lab, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely look into that because, like, yeah, like, I mean, even if you don't get involved in the secondary, uh, you know, like primary marketplace, you know, if it has potential, we usually get involved in the secondary marketplace as well, so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, like, depending on like. Uh, DeFi security and audit is like big, big issue. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think yeah, that's a good place to wrap up. Actually, yeah. Dude, right. thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I know you're super, super busy, and like uh, I know, like getting an hour with you is like impossible. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for uh, yeah. making the time in. Yeah, and no, it was great. Thanks for thanks for inviting me, and I really enjoyed the discussion as always, Carl. Um, so thanks, thanks so much for having me on. We appreciate no it. worries. We'll uh, share the notes uh, afterwards as well. Um, and then you'll, you'll get to see kind of like the bullet point notes. All right, sir. We'll get some sleep or not. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.